right. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Space Flicks, the podcast where we review a movie and decide whether it's worth the cost of beaming out to a lonely astronaut in space. And maybe if he slips us some cigarettes, we'll beam him an extra movie. <laughs> it might be very <laughs> difficult for him to slip us some cigarettes. That'd be amazing. Um, but yeah, do you... Uh, I see you've got the page up. Yep. Should, we, should we read the synopsis? So yeah, the, the stage. So the movie we're talking about this week is Ad Astra, and uh, Ad Astra is a movie starring Brad Pitt, and it is about Brad Pitt in space. That is the extent of my synopsis. No, I'll read the thing. All right, astronaut Roy McBride undertakes a mission. Uh, when this is a much longer thing. Uh, uh, across an unforgiving solar system to uncover the truth about his missing father and his doomed expedition that now, thirty years later, threatens the universe. Yeah. Okay, that's enough. You don't have to read the rest of it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, who directed this film? James Gray. Okay. Going in, what were your expectations? Do you know who James Gray is? I, I know who he is. I he I, He's one of those directors who I've managed to miss all of his movies. Mm -hmm. So, um, movies that I've heard really good things about, such as The Immigrant, The Lost City of Z... Uh, uh, two lovers. I've heard good things about all of those mm. movies. Um, yeah, same. Just, I've just managed either. to miss all of them. Yep. So this is my first introduction to James Gray. Okay. So you, but you knew he had done movies that were considered good. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, I guess you expected. What'd you expect? Um, I don't know. Something Solaris two thousand one y, right? <laughs> like. Just a yeah, a pensive, thoughtful man in space movie. Yep. And how did it compare to your expectations? What were your initial impressions coming out? Uh, I was I was pleasantly surprised. So it was better than you were even expecting. Yes. Um, I put it this way: it it really resonated with me. Um, it's a little bit simple as movies go, like um, meaning. What you see is what you get. There is it's a it's a movie about a guy trying to find his dad in space, mm -hmm. and various there's various obstacles and challenges on the way, and um, but at the end of the day, that's what that's what it's about, right? Like it's not there's no like switcheroo. There's no like for example, if you compare it to something like two thousand and one, right? Where it's like, well, we're on a mission, but really this is a fight with a computer. But really this is like a <laughs> journey into like the heart and soul of man and existence right like right of like consciousness itself or right something. um and this movie <clears throat> doesn't pull any sort of like switcheroos like that in my opinion mm, it's no, sort of no, like no. it's kind of just doing what it's saying it's about to do yeah like it it turns out it actually is about a guy going to find his father <laughs> right right <laughs> it's not like some weird reveal that's like it wasn't about that right Actually, you're not alive at all, and you don't have a dad. I don't know. Like, I don't know what the twist would be, but and, but um, I liked how straightforward it was in that regard, and I thought it did a really good job of exploring um, the character, of exploring Brad Pitt's character, mm -hmm. and and that's really ultimately what it boiled down to, um, as opposed to it trying to be about, I don't know, something, something else. else. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so say I knew even less than you going in. I didn't know who James Gray was, nor did I know, nor had I bothered to check his filmography. Mm -hmm. um, I hadn't seen a trailer. All oh. I'd seen was the poster, and I oh. knew it was Brad Pitt. Um, but I was expecting it to 
be interesting. I mean, you know, like Brad Pitt, obviously he can pretty much get any movie he wants these days. Also, we had just seen uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was I was feeling pretty good about Brad Pitt, you know, right. and his artistic choices, um, you know, this year. And so just from the poster, I was like, all right, this this looks like it'll be, a, like you said, like a pensive uh, sci-fi, serious sci-fi film. Mm-hmm. And I'm all about that. So I was totally looking forward to it. Uh, and I, I feel like I got what I expected and wanted. Yep. Um, I definitely, I, I think we talked a little bit after the movie and one of the things I said was that some of the setup to me feels a little shaky, like a little contrived. Yeah. Um, (laughs) like the, just the, the pieces they have to move to get this, the main story going Mm -hmm. felt to me like that doesn't really, you know, um, what do you mean? Pass the smell test. Of course you had to go to Mars to send a message via space laser. That is obvious. It was just kind of hand wavy, which is fine because I don't think, um, the setup is really what makes the movie interesting. No. Um, but I guess I, I don't know. I guess I was just expecting like a little bit more given how basic the movie is, as you said, mm-hmm. there's like very little plot to it. There's very few details to it. So I almost like feel like there's no excuse to have not gotten those like few <laughs> things like done really well. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but those things are, totally inconsequential compared to the main story of his, you know, journey to, is it Neptune? Neptune. Neptune, yeah. like the rings of Neptune, basically. Right. Um, and, you know, what is driving him, what he encounters along the way, and and what he finds at the end of his journey. Right. Um, that's clearly what it's really, but it's almost like, um, I feel almost like as mythical uh in its overall structure, like it's like a hero's journey of of in pursuit of their past and finding meaning and finding their place mm-hmm. and reconciling, you know, um, like long held sources of pain and you know um, and self doubt and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that all worked great. I think, uh, and I think. I think a lot of it comes down to the imagery and mm-hmm. Brad Pitt's performance. Yes. Um, and those things were, I thought, fantastic. So I had some I had some quibbles with a lot of the sort of like early setup of the movie, but right. not really a big deal. And by no means does, does any of that bring the movie down for me. Um, so, yeah, I liked it a lot, too. Uh, so we both liked it. We both were expecting it to be good and then liked it quite a lot um, coming out. What do we do next? I think we do box office next, don't we? Yes. So I looked up what this movie made. Do you okay. know? Do you want to guess what it made in its opening weekend? Opening weekend, it made fourteen million dollars. Okay. Explain your thought process. It is a movie with Brad Pitt in space, mm-hmm. with no other stars and no discernible plot. And like you know, it, like it has so a plot. So you think you like, think it's like basically it has nothing going for it except that it's Brad Pitt, right? And so Brad Pitt brings it from zero to fourteen million. Yeah, I, I basically <laughs> don't believe in movie stars anymore, mm-hmm, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, meaning Tom Cruise can be in a movie, but it has to be Mission Impossible Fallout for people to go. 
right? It has to be, and this is like not based on anything. There's no pre-existing IP, right? It's just like it's a, serious sci-fi. It's, it's not James like, Gray, who's not like it's not like a Scorsese right. movie, right? So it's like um, th- that's why I'm saying like I, I think it probably did okay, mm-hmm. uh, but not. I wasn't expecting it to make big dollars. How wrong am I? No, you're very close. I think it made 19 million okay. on its opening weekend. Okay. So I think all your reasoning is quite sound. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't really have, I didn't do any more research than just looking up the number. So mm-hmm. I don't really have a lot to compare it to. I do think that's, I think that's probably was about where the studio was hoping it would be. I mean, it's it's definitely not a mass appeal blockbuster type film. Right. It does have a big name in it, but that's really the only thing it has going for it in terms of commercial viability, I think. Right. Aside from the fact that it is it is good and probably will be well reviewed. Yeah, I mean I think it fits in that niche of, you know, there <laughs> movie studios tend to look at there's there's like the four quadrant kind of like movies, you know, mm-hmm. where they try to appeal to everybody. But then there's also just like a ton of movies marketed mainly towards young people. Yeah. And every now and then a studio will be like, you know what? Like there are also adults. Right. Who like just like adult movies. Let's make a movie for the olds. If we make yeah. a good movie that's really targeting an older audience. And by older, I just mean, you know, like 30s. Older than 30 yeah, years old. Yeah. Like late 20s and yeah. upward. Um then, you know, those people buy tickets. You know, they don't go to the movies every weekend like maybe young people do. Right. But um, but if the, if something piques their interest and it gets good reviews and, you know, they hear good things, they'll go see it. So I feel like this movie probably landed pretty solidly in that, in that demographic and did pretty well for a movie targeting that kind right. of crowd. Yeah, it's one of those movies where it's like, look, if you can keep your budget below some number... Right, and you've got Brad Pitt, and we show his face a lot. Although I wonder what the budget for this movie was, because I, I mean, know. it's got really good visuals. Right, but He's I mean, we, obviously, we've certainly man. learned in other far, you know, very low budget films that you can make really good looking movies. True. Really upgrade. That was our whole thing with that, upgrade. That is our, you know, pa- that is the patron saint of low budgets <laughs> right. and high. That's production the gold quality. standard. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be. It's. It's. I, I'm kind of joking, but I feel like it maybe is the gold standard, at least as far as me reaching into my short-term memory. Um, okay. Anyway, enough about money. Let's talk about themes. Yeah. What are the themes of this film? So, um, the the most obvious one is, of course, like fathers and sons, right? Well, more specifically, father and son. Mm. Right? How so? um oh right right you mean like in that he's like searching for his father right and it's really just about the um the whole and really i i suppose to be more specific it's not um it's not generically about fathers and sons right well i feel like we have seen other movies that sort of explore different types of father-son relationships right this ain't that um i feel like more specifically this is about um the abandonment mm-hmm. that he feels and yeah. his in inab- and sort of how that abandonment, um, because in the story, um, the Brad Pitt character, a character named Roy McBride has a father who is like a world famous astronaut named H Clifford McBride. And he, uh, leaves when Brad Pitt's character is young, when Roy is a young boy mm-hmm. and this is 30 years in the future. Uh, or this is 30 years later, and basically um, this entire time he's been grappling with this feeling, Roy has been grappling with this feeling of why did this man leave, Mm -hmm. and why did he never come back? 
right? Right, which this this premise is uh, not, not um, it's not literally something that anybody living today has dealt with, but it's very much the experience of, say, uh, any child whose father left. Mm-hmm. Yep. Or, I mean, I think to a lesser <laughs> degree, you know, like... Um, Adopted children or or orphans people who maybe the father didn't leave, but they never knew their father Mm -hmm. and um, I know just from some people in my life that I know who are adopted or who are in that situation where they they never knew their Biological parents there Mm -hmm. is even people who are who are largely at peace with it I think there's at the very least a curiosity, but in some cases a really really deep longing Mm -hmm. for it's almost like there's a missing piece of the puzzle. Yep. Right. And you and and it feels like until I meet them, um, and have a relationship, I'll never have a full picture of right. myself. And you know, in this case, it's not that he never met his father, but but having having your father leave when you're so young, I feel like is very similar. Yeah, you can't really know your parents particularly well when you're six or whatever, right? Like, you know them as well as a six-year-old's mind can comprehend something. As well as a six-year-old knows anybody. Right. Um, So, yeah, I mean, in some ways it does feel like almost that the the setup or the framing of this movie as being a a journey across the solar system is just a very, like, larger-than-life, exaggerated version of that that very relatable human experience, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Any other themes... Well, there is a theme that I I think that is far and away what the movie is interested in. I do think that um, there's an interesting little sort of secondary thread regarding conflict, like mm-hmm. human conflict and what drives it, mm-hmm. um, and how that's one of the re- that's sort of I think a justification that Roy tells himself about why he can't properly form relationships right is because like humans are kind of trash Mm. and aren't very good at um aren't sort of worth having relationships with Mm -hmm. right um with his dad sort of potentially being um an exemplar of that right like this this guy who abandoned me and doesn't care about me yeah or or and or the one who taught him that lesson right and I do feel like there are several examples in the film of like why, how pe- sort of how people and things like let Roy down mm-hmm. and sort of make him lose faith in humanity, um, sort of writ large. Um, and in some ways, he has in turn uh, the the core of that being he's probably lost faith in the humanity of his father, and he's probably mm-hmm. lost lost faith in his own humanity. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's sort of this um, like human fallibility and the things that lead to humans sort of being in conflict and creating like crisis wherever they go um, is something that I think the movie is is tangentially interested in. I don't think it's the most important theme, but it's in there. What about the fact that at the start of the movie, um, there's a little bit of text that basically... It, the, the movie barely explains this. It really just is like stated at the start that um, that it's like a time of, I don't remember the exact wording, but it's essentially like people are struggling, right? Mm-hmm. Things on earth are not great. Yeah. And so we're looking for, basically we're looking for other life. Um, 
Yeah. Like we're looking for help, essentially. Right. right? Uh, we said something like we turn to the stars. Right. Um, for help. Which um, is the, which is what Ad Astra means. Right. To the stars. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> do you, do you feel like that ties into either of those themes or do you think that's a third theme or do you think that's just a setup and not really a theme that it's, is explored? Well, I think in some ways the, um, the the theme that I just described is sort of this this lack of faith in humanity. Right. Yeah. That's kind of what what I was thinking is that, that it's there's a hypo that's a hype almost like a hypothesis, and then I think there's an answer that comes at the end that is probably mm -hmm. the antithesis. Mm -hmm. Right. Which is like the Roy is operating from the point of view that like humanity is broken, right, mm -hmm. including himself, and probably not worth it mm -hmm. right not worth the trouble and then i feel like the trajectory of the movie is him examining that hypothesis and coming to a conclusion about whether it's valid or not mm -hmm. yeah so it's it's very much about um i guess to sort of fold those together in my mind what you initially talked about was having having low um, like not valuing other humans, having a low opinion of other humans. Another way of wording it might be having having no faith in mm -hmm. in humanity, and and that the idea that that is a manifestation perhaps of having no faith in yourself, mm -hmm. or the other way around. Either yeah, way, yeah, either yeah. way, they're sort of they're sort of mirror images of each other. Like like that is that is his mindset. Um at the start of the story. Yeah. And it's not spelled out so much in that way, at least not initially, but you kind of come to to appreciate that he doesn't seem to really have a lot of faith in others and also maybe that's a projection, you know, right. or maybe it's just a general lack of faith that extends even to himself. Right. Yeah, there's some voiceover narration toward the beginning of the movie where he's talking about um He's just sort of characterizing himself, and he's saying how all the little um, nonverbal cues that he gives people, like head nods and smiles and all those things, he describes it very overtly as an act, mm -hmm. right? This is just a series, this is just some theater that I do yeah. to sort of be acceptable to other people, but I'm not this person, and in fact, I'm just looking for the exit. Right. I just want to get out. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and so and in some ways, like the title of the movie and sort of the intertitle at the beginning where it's basically saying, like, we are looking to the stars for some salvation, for something to make life worth living or explainable or mm -hmm. have some sort mm -hmm. of grace to it. Um, I mean, he definitely seems almost like the embodiment of that. Right. He's like, I've given up on whatever's going on down here. I'm just going to go to the stars and see. Yeah. Right. Which is the yeah. same trajectory that his father went on to. Right. Now, maybe not initially out of, you know, sort of like a a hatred of humanity. Right. No, I mean, ostensibly, it's out of wanting to save humanity. Right. right? Yeah. There's sort of a joy of discovery and a joy of ex exploration. Yeah. Right. And it sort of curdles over a longer period of time to yeah, something there's, different. There's room for doubting that that's the true motivation. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. What is our... 
next segment. I think we should, I think we're already, um, we're, we're, we're walking up, we're tiptoeing up to the line of spoilers. So we yeah. should give the spoiler warning now. Spoiler warning. If you have not seen Ad Astra, you can just stop listening because mm-hmm. we're, or unless you don't care. Which I'm sure is probably take true. appropriate action if you don't want the movie spoiled for <laughs> I think you. Generally, like if if we've talked about this before, but like if you're someone who doesn't want to be spoiled, uh, and you're listening to like a full discussion about a movie you haven't seen, you're just playing with fire. That's just kind of <laughs> how it is, you know. Right. So we're doing our best, but I think we, you know, we tend to talk in a way that sort of gives away how things go. Yeah. The spoiling um, shall begin now. Yeah, but the spoiling, the official spoiling shall begin. So, I can't remember if our next part is like Rich like, Man. I think it's best part of the movie, right? Like, sounds good. Let's yeah. go to best part of the movie. Um, what are your top? What are your faves? So, I actually think uh, I, there are many parts that I liked quite a bit, actually. But um, the a little triad that stands out to me are some of the set pieces mm-hmm. um, and. The three that I'm particularly thinking of are the three times that he enter that he finds himself. I don't think he ever intends to, but he finds himself in the midst of violent conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, the first being on the moon, uh, mm-hmm. where he is being pursued by space pirates. Yeah, on that a little moon, moon pirates. On that a moon was kind of a, buggy. That was pretty cool. And um, just the, I think. All of the lots of the conflict in this movie is taking place in a zero or low gravity situation, and it's mm-hmm. like just a very different type of action sequence yeah. to have. Um, and I found that particular sequence on the moon to be really thrilling and scary, right? And like, I mean, on one hand, it's Brad Pitt, so you know he's not going to die. On the other hand, um, I think, but you know, everyone else might die. Yeah, it's this sort of weird, uh, vaguely slow motiony feeling car chase because of the zero gravity situation. Yeah, they also the sound is quite muted, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which actually, I remember being kind of curious during that scene. I was like, did they have somebody consult and help them really do the sound design for this part? Because I know that some that a gripe sometimes people raise with you know sort of more like popcorny sci-fi movies. Is that they'll have these battles in space where they're all there's all this sound like in Star Wars, right? right. They're like in space there wouldn't be any sound because it's a vacuum, right? But so it seemed almost like it was largely no sound, but sometimes there was sound, and I almost wondered is like is that like the vibrations they're hearing in their helmet? Like is this right. what it would really sound like? Where yeah. you, you would hear stuff that was like causing you physical disruption but like explosions just like a hundred feet away you wouldn't hear right you know is that how it I I don't know yeah but it seemed it seemed like it seemed like they probably did their homework yeah or like just (laughs) or just made arbitrary decisions (laughs) either way it was um because it was different than a typical action sequence you noticed it you know what I mean like you noticed just the feeling was different it had there's sort of a, a library hush to that sequence in certain ways that most action sequences don't possess and it just yeah. makes it that much more sort of gripping to I'd me. also just never seen I mean maybe it's been done before but I'd never seen before um just that that situation kind of spelled out so matter of factly like nobody has really laid claim to the moon and it's very messy because like nobody really like has an official there's no law claim to it right right so if people start colonizing it there will be disputes and also 
like the entities that exist on Earth would have very limited resources to like maintain order on right. the moon in the same way that, you know, in the colonial days, like right. of these empires that colonize these other places, it's not like they have all of this infrastructure and law enforcement and like right. everything all solved there. Right. So it's just a little bit of chaos. So, yeah. so like I said, I've never seen that before of presenting it as like, yeah, there's development on the moon, but there's also plenty of room for bad guys. Right. Because there's just so little, you know, control. Yeah, it's the Wild West. Yeah. Yep. Um, so that sequence I found to be really, really thrilling. And then... Can I guess what your next one is? You know what it is. Well, I, yeah, I'm pretty sure because you already said that they involve violence. So your other ones are going to be Killer Ape. Space Monkey. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and then... I guess you're, the other one you're talking about is the sort of altercation on the spaceship. Yeah, when he enters a spaceship and clearly declares he means nobody any harm. Right. And ends up having basically to kill four people. Right? Yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk about this, the killer ape first. Yeah, terrifying. That was great. What did you think, let me ask you this, when, when he was kind of just making his way around, yep. at what point did you realize something was not right? And then when you saw the guy's body, what did you think? At well, first? as soon as he says the guy's name and can't get him back on the radio, that's right. That's you right. know that something's okay, wrong. So then it's obvious something's wrong. And then what did you think? Like, where did your mind go? Did did you think you knew what was going on? So the way they frame it, right? If you'll recall, is uh, it's it's kind of point of view e the shot where. Um, we are seeing an astronaut. Yeah, Roy is sort of moving through the ship, and eventually Roy turns and looks down sort of a hallway of a particular space station or a spaceship, and he can see his what looks to be his colleague astronaut um, facing away from him, and the body of that astronaut is just sort of like writhing. Writhing. That's a good word. I was like jiggling. Um, <laughs> Uh, we jiggling, we jiggling or? or what? Um, and so, uh, in that moment, right, lots of ideas go through your yeah, head, yeah. right? You're like, is it like a virus? Is he like mm, sick? Mm -hmm. Is has he been like electrocuted? Is he having right. like a medical? Like, is he having a seizure? Mm -hmm. Right? Those are all like different versions of what I presumed was happening. And then, as and like then. the camera moves a little bit and the body moves a little bit, and you see this, um. You know, baboon this or intergalactic like, baboon. Yeah. Um, oh, terrifying. Furious. Yeah. Right? Uh, and basically eating the dude's face, right? Or something, mutilating it in some way. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, I mean, I thought Brad Pitt's acting in that sequence was spot on. I was like, this is scary as hell. Not right? Good. <laughs> like, I need to close this door immediately. Yeah, that was insane. Um, and so uh, that was a really uh, great sequence, just as far as like um, the way it unveiled the surprise, the way. And, and at one point, he closes the like the hatch or whatever, and the space monkey starts to open the door. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's like, oh, this is even more terrifying because this monkey has enough intelligence to open doors. I forget he he ends up releasing like an opening on the other side, right? He, and then the monkey just like. Explodes or yeah, something. Yeah, he opens the 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 airlock, as it were, opening exposing the baboon to the vacuum of space. Mm -hmm. My understanding is, if you are in the vacuum of space with no spacesuit on, because there's no pressure, you just expand and explode. Uh, 
Yeah, I think that's not true. Okay. So I don't know if that's what happened. Something happened. I because it did seem like the baboon like exploded or something. Yeah, there's a, just a viscera so on the window. So maybe that's what the, um, maybe that's what that scene was based on. But I'm pretty sure I read that that's just like a false. It's like a. It's, it's like it's like yeah, there'd be a pressure imbalance, but it's not enough to like. Your like body. your body has some resilience to right. it, you know. It doesn't, wouldn't just like pop like a yeah. balloon. Yeah. Anyway, so whatever happened, he killed the thing. Yeah. But yeah, that was. I feel like. What's funny about that scene to me, um, and really and really effective about that scene is that, you know, they're responding to an SOS signal. Yes. So you really should know from the beginning that something's off, but somehow. Yeah. The fact that they just are so matter-of-factly going over there. Yeah. I think it, like, lulls you into this false sense of maybe everything's fine. Right. And even when they first show up and, like, nobody's there, you're like, huh, I wonder what's going on here. I'm right. sure there's some explanation. Right. Um, but then when the, you know, when you fir- when the ape first emerges. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, right, this is like, this is not, they should not have come here. <laughs> you know, like, obviously something was wrong. What were they thinking? And also, um, if I remember, wasn't there like a tiny bit of foreshadowing where there was like a squirrel or something that he saw floating? Oh, maybe. Yeah. I think he sees like a mouse. No, it's not a squirrel. Like I think in he a sees cage a mouse or something. Or? I think just floating freely. Oh, like dead. Like in the, okay. like like right before going into the room where the guy is. So it just it just sort of like gives you a little hint. Like there were animals on this ship. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Probably in cages, and those cages probably lost power or whatever. Right. Um, well, there's something very interesting about um, the way that they make the decision to get on the ship because uh, Roy doesn't want to. Right. Yeah, yeah. He's They're, like, he's like, the next ship will get it. You know. Right. We have a mission. We need to mm-hmm. stick to the mission. Mm-hmm. Right. This is not part of it. And they're like, it's the. And basically, his crewmates are like. It's the right thing to do, right? Like, well, I think it's also like it's protocol, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like we, this word, this, these are our effective, you know, rules that we're following. We have yeah. to respond to this. And he's, and I think he tries to pull. Rank. Isn't it like he he outranks the guy, yeah. but the guy's like, unless you tell me what the mission is, right? Like what, yeah. You, if you're gonna pull rank, you have to tell me now what the mission is. Mm-hmm. And unless you're willing to do that, then I'm still the commanding officer on this ship, right? right. So Pitt would rather maintain secrecy and take all the risks incumbent yeah. in going to board this SOS and I mean, to ship. His, to his credit, he he goes with the guy, you know. Right. He's not a uh, he's not being a jerk about it. Yeah, he's rarely a, he, he's he rarely seems to be afraid, like in such a way that it would actually affect his decision making. And in fact, yeah. that's something that the movie sort of emphasizes about Roy's character is like his bio metrics mm-hmm. sort of like are always calm. Right. right. For most of the movie. Yes. yes. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Third scene. Um, we already agreed. It's like when he, it's basically when he sneaks his way onto the ship. Yeah. I forget. What does he, he gets some help, right? From the commander or whatever she is yeah of the, of the like base. she's on the she's on mars i don't remember what precisely her role is this is the character played by ruth nega helen lantos is the care is the character's name um but she basically spills some dirt to him about his father mm-hmm. and um sort of lets him through enough different like layers of security and then um yeah 
let sort of escorts him as far as she can, and then he sneaks onto a ship that is on its way to some outer reaches. Um, yeah, to Neptune actually, right? Well, yeah, because this is after he's been officially like relieved of yeah his you know he's been like removed. He he went to Mars. He sent the secret laser secure laser (laughs) secure laser which we both yeah i that's the sort of thing that's almost like it sounds so weird that i believe it probably is a thing yeah you know it's a run that that people like us are like secure laser that sounds so made up secure laser communication is not a thing and if it is i demand it immediately well i think to us give me a secure laser (laughs) to us laymen it's so odd first we, we neither of us knows what a secure laser is but if it is a thing, why would you need to go to Mars to send it? Yeah, do they not have secure lasers <laughs> on the moon or on but Earth? Maybe there's an explanation. I, I, that's the sort of thing I'd like to hear, like the screenwriter. I want explain. a tight five minutes on what <laughs> secure lasers are yeah, and why yeah. they need to be on Mars. Well, that, anyway, I feel like that's the sequel to this movie. Is a movie called Secure Laser, and I really just want a mini documentary about. Yeah. Okay. It, it, I, I will tell you this. An interesting thought there is that in this world, um, you know, clearly there's a, there's a, there's different countries with presences on the moon. Yeah. Not to mention, like, presumably, uh, like free agents on mm-hmm. the moon. Yeah. Right. 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 Um, there's probably SpaceX pirates. There's probably like many many space stations or other satellites out in space around Earth. Yeah. Right. So, so, and, and, and there's, we, it's kind of established in kind of a vague way that there's a lot of conflict on earth. Yep. So in that environment, yep. maybe it would be the case that all of these countries who are somewhat hostile towards each other have yep. the technology to intercept messages. Yep. And so that Ma- but, but only maybe the U S in this world has a base on Mars Yep. and or or th- or only a few have a base on Mars, but Mars is outside of the sphere of like possible interception. Yeah, you know, so maybe the U.S. and China or something have Mars bases, but they can't in- intercept each other's signals from those. But they would need like a ring of satellites around Mars to, be able to do that. Yeah, so it's kind of believable, right? It's like you escape the bubble of like of surveillance where everybody right. can spy on everybody else. Yeah, and you're on this planet where like nobody's nobody's closer to neptune than this right so from here we can actually send a message and not worry about it being intercepted this is a very tan like a very I've, plausible I've explanation i've made that sense you've given. of it yeah yeah and all i needed was somebody to say you have to go to mars to send a transmission by secure laser that was all i needed really in the movie which you but which is what the movie gave us totally right? I, so, I, so yeah so we're you're saying like what the movie did is totally acceptable. It was good enough for me. You yeah. Ne- you needed a little bit more. You I don't think I needed it. I think <laughs> I think we both were amused by the concept. It did it did not detract from the movie at all for yeah. me. Like when I talked about the flimsy setup earlier, yeah. the secure laser wasn't even part of that. Yeah. It was to me the flimsy setup was mostly like uh one, we have these like antimatter blasts that are causing storms and it's gonna and and that wasn't even a believability or like a the detail didn't work for me thing. I think my issue with that was like they didn't really sell the urgency or or scope of the danger. Yeah. To me, they just sort of like stated that it was the world was maybe like gonna end or something, but right. nobody acted like that concerned about it. And right. they were just like, So we need you to go and he's like, Fine. 
And then the other thing to me was, as we you already alluded to, just the premise of like, we definitely need this guy's son to mm-hmm. go send him a message, which was kind of like how in Interstellar they were like, we need this guy who's a farmer mm-hmm. who was an engineer once. He's like the guy we need, mm-hmm. you know? Right. I'm like, okay, I see how he's got some qualifications, but right. like... How is he like the chosen one? He's your only you know? choice. Yeah, right. yeah. That that's that's the way that this was also a, a little bit flimsy to me. It just seemed like, okay, I mean, yeah, he's his son. That's doesn't doesn't really seem like that special, right? Um, well, I mean, in some ways, if you think about incrementality, it's like, well, look, we need to send a crew to Neptune. In order to get that crew to Neptune, we're we're, ha- we're going to have to go to Mars first and launch mm-hmm. them from Mars. Uh, so while we're at it. Let's just uh, send him to Mars, send somebody to Mars who can send a message to this man. Who's the likeliest person to be able to get through to him? Uh, it could be anybody. We could even pretend somebody's Roy, right? Yeah. yeah. But foregoing that, right, uh, well, he'll send the message by the laser. The laser is very fast, yeah. right? Yeah. It'll get to Neptune really quickly, and maybe he'll just respond back and be like, oh, my bad. I'm sorry. I didn't be... I wasn't meaning to send these antimatter blasts at Earth. I will turn off the anti- antimatter blast machine. Mm-hmm. I thought it was the frozen yogurt machine, right? Which I mean, it actually did turn out to be that he didn't want. It was a to, goof. It wasn't. It, yeah, it's not like he went crazy and wanted to destroy Earth. Right. Right. Um, but anyway, okay. So those were your three three favorite scenes. I, I feel like I meant to ask you if you wanted to say anything more about it, and then. I didn't really give you a chance to. No, I mean, to me, something that stuck out was during the moon raid, um, Brad Pitt does some voiceover narration, and he says something to the effect of, um, you know, here we are again fighting over resources, Mm, right? Yep, yep. And to me, those three violent conflicts sort of represent some of the three maybe, like, primary or, like, most significant reasons that people fight. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like greed or material needs. Right. Mm -hmm. The space ape felt like pure rage and hatred. Mm -hmm. Right. And the the third was about fear. Right. Like he was explicitly trying to be not hostile with his fellow astronauts. And because they were so nervous about what they thought he might do, it ended up escalating into a conflict. And there was something about those three things that felt very sort of symbolic to me about representing to to us how Roy is viewing like humanity. It's like this is all we do. We're just mm-hmm. greedy or hateful or fearful and these are like the things that motivate our actions, right? Um and so it felt like those those set pieces would serve to further drive him to despair as they reinforce his sort of dismal view of Mm -hmm. like what humanity is all about right and so that's why in addition to those things being uh, exciting filmmaking and exciting you know viewing experiences I also felt like they sort of to me furthered the concept of Roy's sort of descent into a kind of um, deeply defeated or like nihilistic kind of place as the movie progresses yeah i'm trying to think if i had any other favorite scenes well we didn't talk about you know the end i feel like the ending is Mm -hmm. 
Um, it's not like as gut wrenching as, or actually gut wrenching is it's, it's not as much of a gut punch as like the killer ape or any Mm -hmm. of the violent scenes. But, um, you know, there's been a lot of buildup. He meets his dad. It's very sad, you know? Yes. The, the, Um, the, the dialogue in that sequence is really memorable. Mm -hmm. Um, especially the thing that really like will stink will stick with me is when the his father played by Tommy Lee Jones is like I didn't think about you or your mother once. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh and then he's just kind of looking up and he's like what does he say like I still love you dad or something like right. that. Um and it's it's very much, you know, his expectations were low, right? Yeah. Um, because of all the reasons we've already said. He's, like, had so little faith in humanity. And it's sort of, like, back to my, back to my, you know, image of there, there's a missing piece of the puzzle. It's, like, he he's found the piece, mm-hmm. and he's, like, yep, it's disappointing. It's exactly like I thought what it I be. thought it would be. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, he sheds a tear. Right. Which is just a little indication, like, but he had allowed himself to get his hopes up a little, yeah, you know, right. that there would be something, there would be something that would happen when right. he met his dad that would, that would bring some, you know, happiness or bring some warmth or bring some, something satisfying. Right. Um, and I, th- and I, I think there was that mm-hmm. thing, but I don't think he got it the way he thought it he was, he was sort of hoping he would, mm-hmm. right? Because what he gets reinforced to him is like, my father doesn't care about me, mm-hmm. right? Or not enough to like do anything about it, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but the other thing he learns is what his father tells him about what he's found, which is nothing. Yep. Right? Yep. Um, I've been looking for 30 years for life mm-hmm. somewhere outside of Earth, and it's not there. Have not found it. Right. Got to keep looking. And then he's like, all right, dad, let's go home. Right. And then you can he, stop looking. Right. And he's like, I don't remember if it's at that moment or if it's later in the film, but it, eventually he says, well, dad, you know, we're all we've got. Mm-hmm. Right. There's nothing out there. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you just have to get OK with that human beings are the only company we've got. And mm-hmm. so um, and to me, that was a really sort of. um electrifying like way for his character to turn right Mm -hmm. i found that to be extremely earned right and extremely like rational too right um (laughs) we have not found a shred of evidence of what you're looking for right? right and you've looked for a long time and you've looked really far out right um do you think it's uh i mean i feel like it's definitely it's definitely, uh, uh, um, you know, saying there's, there's, you, sh- you can't look outside yourself. You got to look within yourself. I feel like it's, it's a macro, mm-hmm. you know, large yeah. scale amplified version of that very simple lesson. Right. right. Don't look to the rest of the universe to help you or fix you or give you meaning. Right. Yeah. Like it's not, it's not the relationship with your father who was always distant. Right. It's not validation from other people. Right. Um, and, and the fact that the movie takes place with him leaving earth 
you know, in the movie, the Roy has looked at Roy's father and now Roy and just humanity in general have gone kind of as far out as they can conceivably go mm-hmm. looking for answers. Yep. And there are no answers. Like, mm-hmm. like the only path forward for humanity sort of as posited at the end of this movie is just for them to be on earth and fix their own problems. Yeah. Right. And I think to me, the title Ad Astra is kind of pointing to the fact that if we like, there is no, in the same way that his dad has been searching for 30 years and Mm -hmm. hasn't exhausted all of the, you know, obviously has not exhausted all of space. Yep. Um, it's sort of like, if you look outside yourself, there mm-hmm. are no limits to how long you can be looking yep. and how lost you can become because yep. it's infinite. You know, yep. the world outside of you is infinite and you can just search and search and search for answers and you will never find them. Yeah. And so that, that to me is kind of like the message of the movie, right? It's like, it's like telling this broad, large scale, cosmic scale story to just kind of paint that basic lesson of he's looking for, you know, validation from his dad, answers from his dad, mm-hmm. and he's not going to get them there. Yeah. it. Re- I mean, it quite literally reminds me of that T.S. Eliot poem, right, about how we will travel to space and see the universe, and once we return home, that is only when we will truly... Mm. understand it mm. right um that is obviously <laughs> uh, those are the exact words right. of the, the yeah the, the the lines of the poem are lost to me but you get the premise right uh, something um, something 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 poem poem stars so at any rate um but yeah it felt very much sort of uh as a uh, like a companion to that idea mm-hmm. yep totally all right so we've covered our favorite parts of the movie yep um as far as comparisons to other movies, I think you already you already provided a great one. Well, actually, which was just you talking about your expectations, mm-hmm. where you said it was going to be maybe like Solaris meets 2001. Yeah. But I mean, that's pretty dead on, right? Right. Yeah. I feel like that's it. I think it's got the quiet, um, quiet, I, I almost want to use the word humility. That's not probably, maybe like stoicism mm-hmm. or something, sparseness mm-hmm. of Solaris. Yeah. Where, where there are some beautiful shots, there are some very, very impressive visuals, but they're, they're just, in the grand scheme of things, they're small touches in a very quiet movie. Yeah. It's a lonely movie, right? So it's like Solaris in that way. And then it's a little like 2001... I mean, kind of in the same way, but also in just the more, the I guess, the scale of it. Right? Yeah, yeah. Because um, Solaris, there's not that much of a sense of a journey because because in Solaris, they're, just, they're orbiting Solaris most like of the time. Like a dying movie, star, right? right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not like, tra- like they tra- he travels to that space station right. or whatever, but then he's just there the rest of the movie. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I feel like it has the 2001 feel. I mean, a little bit of, you know, Interstellar had that feel a little bit, too, of the traveling yeah. far, far out. Yeah. Um, uh, any other sci-fi films you'd compare it to? Uh, not not off the top of my head. I feel like I'd put this one, like, on par with Solaris in a similar, like, quality band. Okay, What do sure. you think? 
Um, I probably liked it better than liked I liked Solaris. Solaris. Yeah. And I loved Solaris, actually. I know. I know. <laughs> I know you did, I, I haven't seen it. You can't it. shut up about it. I haven't seen it for 20 years or something like that. It's been yeah. a really long time. Well, I think what it is, is is not even so much like that I loved it as, as much as it is like I think about it a lot. Oh, interesting. Even yeah, yeah. like it stuck with me way more than most movies. Okay, so anyway, those are some good comparisons. I wouldn't say rich man, poor man version of, of anything in particular. It's more just like it has it has good co- it good shares comp- some DNA with those. It's films. a good company. Um, I think last but not least is fix the movie, right? Yeah. So what would you do to fix this movie? Um, I don't I don't have much that I that bothered me or I thought was poorly done or anything like that. Um, I think I, I already said the things for me. I would like to have uh, the Liv Tyler character have been more of a real person. Oh, um, yeah. I completely forgot she was in the movie. Yeah, so the, hence my point, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, because on one hand, like, we believe that he's probably not been... A, I mean, they are married, right? So it's like... I guess. I, I thought it was actually a little unclear if it they is were probably, still married. It is probably movie. ambiguous, but... Um, but, you know, he's aware of the fact that he has not been a great partner to her, yeah, yeah. right? But we don't hear anything from her, and we don't see anything about the way that they interact, really. Um, so that's one shortcoming. And But again, it's a yeah. it's kind of a long movie as it is. It'd be kind of difficult to put another 20 minutes of their relationship in the movie. Well, I feel like it's the sort of thing where it should have either, they should have either fleshed it out more or taken it out. Right. right. I do feel like he does need some relationship to come back to. Hmm. Right. Um, to, I would I would argue anyway, because I think it would be a pretty hollow ending if he comes back and he's like, I'm ready for human relationships. And there's like nobody around. Yeah. Right? And I guess it couldn't have been a child because that would have been too. It would have made it hard to relate to him. Looking yeah. for his father while he's abandoning his own child. Right, right. So yeah, I guess a, I guess a, like a romantic partner does make sense. So I mean, I don't know. I get what you're saying about the movie's length, but I do think it would have been worth fleshing out more. I think particularly, like, not even just her perspective, but just more, more of them. Almost like we, it would have been good to see more of, maybe like let's call it the good times or more like hints of what their relationship was at least sometimes Could have and it, been, and it's, and yeah. it's happier moments, yeah. you know, to give you just a sense of like how he's, how he's closed off to something, mm-hmm. you know, um, that, that he really needs to open up to. Right. Cause, cause it could be a source of happiness and meaning right. in his life and, and he's neglected it. But I think it's almost like the way the movie presents it to you. It's sort of it's sort of hope expecting you to just fill that all in on your right, own. Right. Like, you know, you know how like people who were in love at one time had some fun, you know, times together and that he's he's kind of like walking away from that, right? You get it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, it's like, sure, yeah, we get it. I mean, you could have also accomplished that though if he just like looked at a photo of her a few times in the movie. Right. But I think in some ways he doesn't become um, sort of he doesn't develop that sort of yearning to get back to her until after he has that sort of epiphany with his dad. Right? Yeah, yeah. He's ready to just keep going, right? Like I feel like if he had found something different, or if his father had said, "Like, son, I'm so glad you're here. I love you, and I missed you so much." 
I feel like he might have said, like, great, I'm going to stay on the space station forever. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Well, I guess I guess my point is that to keep to, to have these occasional flashbacks to Liv Tyler's character as the audience, I feel like we don't care. Right, you know, we don't care right, that right. he's not with her. We don't have any investment in this relationship that it's I think it's supposed to be kind of sad that he's like you know that it hasn't worked out and he's and he's left and he's kind of like left this potentially meaningful thing behind it's like i didn't see any evidence of it being a good thing that he is that he's losing out on yeah you know i think that's i think that's fair um yeah so that that i think would have improved the movie the other things for me would have just been like i said if they better if they better just conveyed that this thing he they were sending him on to go communicate to his father if it were actually a really serious thing. Yeah. Um, although even as I say that, I'm like, that's actually not really important to the movie that it be that way, but right. it's more just like, that's how they tried to present it. And I just felt like it yeah. was kind of done in a not super sufficient way. But yeah, because at the end of the day, this is really about like what Roy wants and yeah. what Roy's trying to achieve and much less about what like an, yeah. You know, the American military is trying to achieve, right? You know, you know what I think would have worked better for me? This is just so so minor, such minor quibbles at this point, but like basically the way the movie sets it up is this thing happens that's bad, then they ask him like they're like, "Can you help us out mm-hmm. to solve this problem?" I feel like what would have made more sense if would have been this thing that happened that was bad. Mm-hmm. He he learns of this like yes. program that's yes. happening that's where they're going to go out and try to try to communicate to his father and he's like can I go I should I want to go do it yeah yeah, yeah yeah or he just volunteers to like he he almost like he asks if he can go right that that would have made more sense to I me. and and they were like he is his son you know maybe he could reach him right. you know and and they're and they're sort of like yeah yeah you can come too right you know as opposed to like we want you you're right. our guy right um you're our guy guy who was in the first scene of this movie just like seemingly a technician at right. the top of like a space ladder, right? You know, space ladder, falling off a space station. Great yeah. job. Yeah. Uh, yep, I agree with that. Uh, space elevator, I think it's called. That's like what that was, right? You know, to take things to space. Yeah. No, that's mark? that's totally a thing. That's a that's a concept. That's like oh, to bring stuff to a space station, for example. Yeah. Well, basically, so. I thought it was really cool because I'd never seen a space elevator depicted in a film before. Yeah. But in like real life, real scientists mm-hmm. like NASA engineers and stuff, uh, like there is this there is this concept of a space elevator, which would be amazing if we could build it. And there's some Japanese company that claims they are going to build it right. with like nanotechnology or something. Totes. But basically it's like if we had a space station, if we had a physical like cable or like uh-huh. f- connection, then... It, it would be much easier to mm-hmm. transport stuff up and back. And like my understanding is like the 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 difficulty is constructing it. Mm-hmm. But like if you could just magically have it already constructed, yeah. then like the there there would naturally be like from the rotation of the earth and stuff, yeah. there would naturally be like a tension that would like keep it rigid and uh-huh. would like would work. Yeah. But just nobody knows how to build the thing. Yeah. You yeah, know? Yeah. Um so, I mean, but presumably we will eventually figure that out. And right. when we do, we'll no longer have to, like, send rockets up, yeah. you know? It'll just be like, send it up the elevator. Send it you up know? the ladder, yeah. It takes an hour or whatever. Right. 
to get up there. We can send supplies up. They can send stuff down. Yep. Um, and, oh, and the other thing I think that is, like, so promising about the idea of a space elevator is um, basically you wouldn't need rockets anymore at all. Because right. if you wanted to travel somewhere in space, yeah. you could send parts for a vessel yep. up to a station. Yep. You don't need propulsion anymore because there's no gravity to, like, yeah, yeah, to like yeah. have to overcome. So you could just, like, assemble, like, simple ships yeah. with just basic propulsion that could then just float off, like, yeah. freely. Yeah. So... Uh, it's yeah, it's an idea. It's okay. an idea that is that is uh, has a lot of promise if we can ever figure out as as humanity how to build one. It is right around the corner. Space. space so I think elevators. that's what that was. I think that's what that. Was I like it a lot idea. more now too. <laughs> I thought that was cool. But anyway, um, all right. So uh, the final and most important question: Would you beam this up? I think so. I have a hard time imagining there being considerably more movies, like many more movies this year mm. that I enjoyed mm. better than, more than this one, or like resonated more with me. Yeah, I think, to be honest with you, I think it's like right on that edge for me, Uh huh. but I think I would too. Yep. Um, Send it up the space elevator. Let's do it. The space elevator to like the edge of the solar system. <laughs> <laughs> that, that would be quite a feat. Uh, all right. Well, thanks for listening. I am Dan. I'm Adam. This is another episode of Space Flicks. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.